Thank you, everyone. There's, uh, there's something different about you today. There's a lot more little people in the uh, in the room. I don't I don't mean Filipinos. I, I mean like there's lots of. Are the kids happy? Are the kids happy? Like you guys are on isn't it school holidays? Yeah, so you should be looking really happy. That's right. Um, well, welcome to our family service once again. Thank you so much to uh, the Kids Kingdom workers for their play. I've just finished a rotation on Kids Kingdom, and I uh, just want to thank all the guys who work on Kids Kingdom for their for their energy. Uh, and the thought that goes into the organisation execution of Kids Kingdom, it uh, look, I, I feel like it really honours God with the work that you guys do. So the Villiowans, uh, Chris and Aaron McDonald, I know J- James and Faye help out a lot. I know Vivian is involved in Kids Kingdom. Erin Davis, almost like the mastermind that no one sees. A lot of the stories. Um, John Atkins and his really groovy dancing at Kids Kingdom and the song, singing in the morning gets everyone going. I think it's part of his quiet time routine. Helps him to get pumped. Uh, but look, guys, thank you so much for um, honouring God with your hard work and service. It is, it is not unappreciated. Um, look, I didn't pass this by the comedy police this morning, but I do have a joke to start with. <laughs> do we want to hear it? Okay. Okay. So, this takes place in the North Shore one day. There was a massive fire in this um, uh, in this factory on the North Shore and, 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 and all the, the, the fire crews on the North Shore, almost all of them, were all rushing in to try and you know, put this fire out. And, and, and the guy who owned it was a very wealthy man and he, and he thought, look, I'm going to put a monetary incentive there to see if I can spur the firefighters on to, to, to put it out. And he goes, look, to the fire crew that puts out the fire, I'll give you $10 million. 10 million, and everyone's working hard, but the blaze is just so intense that it's just the fire's winning and the fire crews are losing. And then out of nowhere, the volunteer crew from Browns Bay comes flying through, and they're not going to stop. They crash through the barriers and they go into the fire. And these guys are jumping out, you know, the South African flag is flying at the back, and these guys are jumping out and they're just, you know, fighting this fire for their lives. And everyone's like, well, you look at that. And somehow it started, and then all the other crew start helping out, and, and finally the flames all dissipate. And everyone's just going, did you see those guys? They risked their lives to get in there and, and put this fire out. And so the reporter is there with the, you know, the wealthy businessman and, 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 the, um, and the chief fireman walks up, and his name's Raymond, and so they, they interview him, and, and they're like, that, that was just the most intense show of bravery we have ever seen. What, have you thought about what you're going to do with the money? And he goes, yeah, I spoke to the boys. I'm going to fix the brakes first thing we do on the truck, eh? <laughs> I think that would have passed the comedy police this morning. So, um, <clears throat> D- Dave mentioned that Kids Kingdom were... Um, had been working on, on, on the plagues of Egypt and, and maybe I could preach something from that. And I just thought about it. I felt quite challenged trying to draw a family message out of the plagues of Egypt for a family service. So I went with Mark chapter 7 instead. So if you've got a Bible, start turning there. Um, if you've got a tablet, start tapping there. Um, 
I mean, I could have, I guess I could have preached about the plague of measles across Auckland at the moment. That might have, <laughs> might have worked. Um, if, you, if you're not for the people of God, your firstborn might die. Uh, don't forget to wipe blood on the door frames before you go to bed. Uh, dads, don't desire to be treated like a pharaoh in your own palace. God might harden your heart. Just... It was going to be too hard to make that fit, really. Uh, So Mark chapter 7, verse 24. If we're all there, Mark 7, verse 24. Um, You know, one of the things, you know, you know what what helps me to get really pumped up to preach a sermon? It's the singing. The singing gets me pumped up to preach a sermon. And and, and this morning I I was here and... And the guy behind me was just belting out weight in the water. <laughs> we could do a New Zealand version and be weight in the wider matter. But he, he, he was belting it out. And I just, it was just, it was just, you could tell when someone is worshipping with their whole heart. I looked around and there was Mussy. Like singing and singing and singing. You know, Mussy was recently restored and to see the joy in his face and the fellowship is, uh, is awesome. And to hear it as well. Mark 7, verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the region of Tyre. Not wanting anyone to know he was there, he entered a house, but was unable to escape their notice. Instead, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit soon heard about Jesus, and she came and fell at his feet. Now, she was a Greek woman of Syrophoenician origin, and she kept asking Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. Let the children... Sorry, first let the children have their fill, he said, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then Jesus told her, because of this answer, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found her child lying lying on the bed and the demon was gone. So a bit of, bit of background information. Jesus was in Tyre, a city outside of Israel. It was a Gentile seaport. In Mark chapter 3, people had come down from this very area to Galilee to see Jesus preach miracles. Um, sorry, to see Jesus do miracles and to hear him preach. So he was actually quite well known to people in this area. Just prior to this event, he had had a disagreement with the Pharisees about what makes a person unclean. It's not the food that enters your mouth but what comes out of your heart that makes a person unacceptable to God. So here he was now trying to rest and remain under the public radar. It looks like he wasn't really planning to do any gospel work in this uh, part of the world. He wanted to go first to the Israelites and preach the gospel to them first. But here Jesus is found by a desperate woman. By the Pharisees' estimation, she would have been unclean. She was a woman, pagan, idol worshipper, and her child had an unclean spirit. Her presence and interaction would have been offensive to a number of Jews. But in the end, she is acceptable to Jesus. In fact, he commends her for her response and her theology, her view of God and how she related to God. In the parallel account in Matthew 15, he also commends her for her faith and says, A woman, you have great faith although she's described as a Canaanite woman in that particular account. And this is probably the only time in the Gospels we see Jesus refusing at first a request. So it's kind of worth considering, is this woman passing some kind of test, or is she winning an argument? Right? Is, she trying to, is, she, is she passing some kind of test, or is she winning an argument with Jesus? Who likes winning an argument? 
Wasn't really, a, wasn't really a trick question. <laughs> Unfortunately, if your goal in life is to win arguments, your relationships will suffer. Your goal is about before, because your goal is about proving yourself right. Have you ever won an argument and your relationship with that person improved dramatically? Is that how it works? You win an argument and you feel so close to the person, you just feel bonded... Is that, is that how it feels after an argument, or is it more of the opposite? <clears throat> Have you ever had an argument with your spouse, and afterwards you just felt like one person? All right. Did anyone have an argument with their spouse on the way to church this morning? You don't put, you don't, don't put your hand up. <laughs> I mean, it, it probably was worse this morning because you know, we, we, everyone lost an hour of sleep, so that might have been the tinder to, to spark some sort of argument. I don't know, Anna and I seem to have a disproportionate number of arguments on the way to church. I don't know why that is. It just, it, it, it's counterintuitive. You think, you know, two Christians are married, they're in the car, they're going to worship God, they create the universe, it's going to be a happy time, and there's conflict and tension and strife and sad faces. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's our characters. <clears throat> I'm not sure, but you know, it's funny, I do remember being single. And a friend in the church asked me, so are there any girls in the church that you like? And I was like, yeah, I, I like Anna. And he looks at me and he goes, <laughs> she's a feisty one. <laughs> but that's what attracted me to her. She was feisty for God. Well, I, don't, I don't find it quite so attractive when she's feisty with me. <laughs> You know, but with God's help, we've learned how to not let feistiness get in the way of a good marriage. If you go through life trying to win arguments, I, I, I can't see that approach working with God. You're not going to win many arguments with God. You know, if you're visiting here today, maybe like the woman in the story, you're wrestling with God about something in your life. There might be a trajectory or a direction that God is leading you, and you don't, you don't like it or you're uncomfortable with what God is doing in your life. There's plenty of times in the Bible people wrestled with God. And it's not a bad thing, because it's not in times of comfort. It's not in times of when things are going easy that we grow as people. It's usually in times of conflict, tension, and crisis that provides a catalyst for our faith to grow. Jacob wrestled with God and refused to let the man go until he had blessed him. Jesus told the story of the unjust judge to illustrate the need for perseverance in our prayer life, especially if we're seeking some kind of justice. And kind of, at first it looks like Jesus is being insulting because he calls her a dog, doesn't he? And it seems quite offensive and out of character. However, his response isn't no because she's unclean or unacceptable, but because he must first preach the gospel to the Israelites. But it's interesting because the word he uses here for dog isn't the usual word, kuna rion. It's the diminutive or smaller form. It means it's kuon. He said, it's not right to toss the bread to the kuon, which means a small dog or a puppy. Okay, so even in his response, you can see there's actually an element of affection in his words for her. And the woman replies... Even the puppies eat the crumbs from under the table. She looks like she's being a bit feisty with Jesus. Maybe her name's Anna. Maybe, I don't, don't know. 
the woman is saying a number of things by her response. Right? She's saying a number of things. Even the crumbs are enough for me. Right? Even God's crumbs are enough for me. God's table overflows with good things. Even the little morsels of God's grace and help, they're plenty. I'll take those any day. <clears throat> She's also saying, I may be last in line in the family, but I'm still counted as your family and I consider you my master. Which is a very faithful thing to say. I belong to you. Jesus himself, said, Jesus himself said, those who are last will be first and the first will be last. So she was actually kind of speaking his theological language. She was last in the family, but she received help from Jesus before other Israelites did. And we have to remember it was because of her faith, the view of God, and how she stood before God. How do you see yourself before God? How do you see yourself before God? This is really important because how you see yourself before God will dictate how you respond to God, how you respond to other people. When Jesus called her a little dog, she didn't get offended. She saw herself as part of God's family and she believed God's provision was plentiful and enough for her. Do you see yourself in God's family? Do you see yourself as one of his dearly loved children? that he will provide for and look after. Really important that we have that view of God. I find as I get older, <clears throat> I have to keep thinking about how God views. Hey, Cooper, you paying attention? <laughs> Your dad can do that. <clears throat> I find, son, as I get older, I have to keep thinking about how God views me. I feel I have to work hard every day in my prayer life reminding myself of God's kindness in my life. If I lose sight of his grace operating in my life, I stop seeing his patience. His love becomes hidden from me because all I can see are troubles, unfairness, problems. And I become negative and I become selfish. I worry a lot about finances if I don't remind myself about how God has a long history of providing for me. He's never let me or my family starve. We, we could probably lose a bit of excess baggage. It's, you know, he's over-provided for us. If you're struggling in your faith, I would call you to spend most of your prayer time just meditating on what God has done for you and how he's worked in your life. <clears throat> it's, it's no coincidence he calls us to remember the Jesus on the cross every week. Don't forget how much I love you. Don't forget how much I love you. Don't forget how much I love you. We can't lose sight of that as we live in a world that's very dark, it's very selfish, it's very self-centered, and we get those messages all the time about how we should live our lives. And God's not part of the world's plan, by the way. <clears throat> also find as I get older, being respected by people seems to become more important to me. It feels like it's one of those values that I appreciate more. And sometimes I'm sensitive to how other people view me. And it's not that I feel like respect is due me, but I find in my family relationships, just small things start to pug me, right? Like, like when people interrupt me, I'm trying to speak. I don't know why it bugs me so much. But there's times I get interrupted, I just think, for the love of Scott, can you please not interrupt me? Please. Can't we change?
change this? But I know, look, but it, it's all, you know, everyone in our family has elements of respect and how they want to be treated. Anna doesn't feel respected when Coop and I don't clean as we go. That's a respect issue for her. I mean, would you believe a piece of mince this big started a massive fight in our family this week? It was only that big. Literally, how could something that small create this much trouble? <clears throat> I don't know. But I'm learning to respect my wife, and I, I'm continuing to learn to respect my wife, and I'll work on that. I know Cooper doesn't like it. Where's he gone? <laughs> did he just walk out? Aiden, where did he go? You don't know. You're his mate? <laughs> Maybe it's just as well he doesn't hear this part. But I know, I know Cooper doesn't like it when he's trying to be serious with me and brings something up with me and he's got this serious, angry look on his face. And I go... <laughs> and he, just, he starts laughing and then he goes... I hate you. So much. <laughs> Because he's trying to be an adult. And, and I, look, I, I like to listen to my son and take his feedback. You know, uh, it's important. But there's just times he gets just over the top with stuff. And I'm like, it's not worth being over the top. But I know that he, he wants to be respected as a young adult and for me to listen to him. <clears throat> Respect is really important in our spiritual family. Right? In our spiritual family and our biological families, respect is really important because first we respect God. We respect what is important to God about what is right and wrong. We respect the men in our church. We respect the women in our church. We respect our fathers. We respect our mothers. And we respect our children. My view of God through the person of Jesus is that throughout the Gospels, Jesus showed respect for all kinds of people. I think what he respected most was people who had faith, who believed in his sovereignty, who believed in his goodness, and his desire to intervene in their lives. Often he showed respect and love simply because people were made in his image. And here at the end of the story, he respected this woman because of her faith. I think in the story there's some family dynamics we can talk about, right? She's a parent seeking out Jesus for help. That in itself is a really good thing. Parents need to go to Jesus for the needs of their children. We need to present the gospel as parents as the answer to all the important questions our children need answers to. Now in the story it doesn't say how old the child is, right? Maybe she looks like she has an evil spirit. Maybe she's just a teenager. <laughs> And she's asserting some independence at home. She just looks like she's possessed, but she's not really possessed. And is that a, is that a possibility? A teenage, a, teen, a teenage daughter possessed by tantrums and moody exchanges? Look, I know our kids from time to time act like they have, act like they're possessed by an argumentative spirit, or a grumpy spirit, or a lazy spirit, or a complaining spirit. Is that right, kids? <laughs> I've lost the kids. Where have they gone? Do our... they, walked, they walked out. They joined Cooper out the back. I mean, do the kids complain and argue sometimes? Maybe. Maybe not. All right. Well, that's when Jesus needs to intervene, right? Because Jesus has the keys to life. He knows what makes us truly happy. 
He's, you know, and it's not like just eating the food that we like. He knows how to shape and grow our character so that we become people who can change the world for good. Amen. All right? Do the kids look around at our world and go, why can't the adults just get along? Yeah. Why do people have to shoot each other? Why can't just we all be friends? Well, amazingly enough, that's what God wants. Right? He, he wants us all to get along. He wants us to love each other. Right? God wants our kids to be able to change the world for good. I mean, how cool is that? Another question about the story. Where's the dad? Where's the dad gone? I don't, I don't, you know, it says that she came home and found the, 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 the evil spirit left the daughter. No mention of the dad in there. I mean, he could be there, or he could be MIA. Missing in action. Or MAR. Making a run. He might be off fishing. And that can be a problem. Not the fishing. All right? But, but, but I've definitely, and I've experienced my own life when it's the mum who's engaging in the battles. It's the mum doing most of the parenting. It's the mum who's teaching the scriptures and the dad is distracted and not engaged. All right? And not leading. That's, that's not a good thing. All right? I know in our family, if Cooper and Anna are fighting, there's times I really want to just, I just want to switch off. I'm just not in the mood for more drama. I'm in the mood for Netflix. Right? I want, I want imaginary drama on a screen. I don't, I don't want real life drama in my living room. I don't want that. Right? But I know... If I don't engage and I don't lead and I don't and I don't be the dad and the husband I need to be, right? The evil spirits descend on my house. All right? There's the evil spirit of moodiness, the evil spirit of angry silence, the evil spirit of grumpy replies that possesses my family and then it possesses me. All right? That's what happens when dads don't engage and intervene. It's going to finish up here on one short point on faith. Right? Faith, faith is a good thing. So the woman is commended for her faith by Jesus in the same account in Matthew 15. I think sometimes our faith is so small, we have such little expectations of God. We have small imaginations. We don't understand how God wants to change the world. I've been thinking about this a bit. I know, I think we may believe God doesn't answer our prayers because it wouldn't be good for us, right? And sometimes it's true. Let me, let me put this question to you. What if we don't receive because we don't believe God is as kind as what he really is? Right? What if it's our, our faith is the issue? not God's willingness to show us kindness. Right? Because I know sometimes when, when things aren't going the way, we, we think they should, oh, God's trying to teach me a lesson. All right? What if it's how faith is the problem? Jesus got offended when people didn't believe in his power of goodness. He got offended. All right? He called them, oh, perverse and unbelieving generation. That's pretty strong words. All right? Of people who did not believe in his power or his goodness. The woman didn't stop asking. Right? In Matthew 15, she is crying out and crying out and crying out. And the disciples are like, Jesus, just send her away. We can't handle this. It's too much. Right? And she didn't ask once and then say, oh, well, I guess the time's not right. She didn't take no for an answer. 
She believed that Jesus could, and she believed in his goodness, otherwise she wouldn't keep pestering him. All right? and, she, and he loved that about her. This woman believed Jesus could do it. The Roman centurion believed Jesus could heal a servant just by saying the word. All right? But Jesus' hometown didn't think much of him. He, it says that he, couldn't do, he could do hardly any miracles at all in his hometown. All right? Maybe there's so few miracles in your life because your faith is so small. How do we get faith? How do we not let anxiety overwhelm us? Right? Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes from hearing the word. Right? Our faith comes from hearing the message of Jesus. Where do you find that? Facebook? No. You find that in the Bible. Right? I'm suddenly getting these, these uh, alerts on my, my Facebook, my app saying, you've spent this much time on Facebook this week. How much time do you spend on social media opposed to reading the Bible? Maybe that's a really good reality check of, 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 of how much you desire God, are seeking God, and wanting to cultivate and develop your faith. Right? This is where we get our faith. Because we need God's voice in our head, not the world in our head. Right? Sometimes even my voice in my head is just not good for me. Right? You can't do it. You're going to fail. You look silly. Right? I don't need that. I need God telling me it's going to be okay. With me, you can do anything. All right? So if you struggle to read your Bible, put it as a priority in your life. All right? Put it as a priority in your life. You need spiritual food. I mean, does anyone actually lose 20 kilos because they forgot to eat? I'm too busy to eat. I can't eat anything. All right? No single brother, no single brother ever felt that way. There's always time to eat. Always. It's always time to read your Bible and feed yourself spiritually. Always. <clears throat> There's, you know, something that, that really helps me see and believe the goodness of God is when I see and experience His grace in my life. All right? Seeing God's grace, identifying it, helps me believe in His goodness again and again and again. All right? Where's the grace in this story? Where's the kindness? I think Jesus didn't judge her by her appearance, all right? And it's such a worldly thing. We all do it. We look at each other and there's something in our appearance, we make a judgment on it, all right? Jesus doesn't, doesn't judge her that way. He judged her by her faith. Jesus removed the unclean spirit from her daughter as he has removed uncleanness from all of us. He's removed our sin from God's sight, so we have full confidence to approach his throne of grace. Hebrews 4.16. Amen. That concludes the sermon. We're going to have Brendan come up and do some announcements now. Thank you.